Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. message pretty well, so if you're in a hurry, you can leave now. Um, I'd rather you stay, though, please. Wow, look at the exodus. Is it amazing that God knows my name, and he knows more than that about me? Who knows the most about you? Hmm. Your spouse? Uh... What a brother or sister. And isn't it terrible when they know something about you and the dreaded words come out? I'm telling mom. <laughs> yeah. You know, my mom always seemed to know everything about me. I remember one day she says to me, You're driving too fast. How do you know that? She said, You just never mind, you're driving too fast. I'm like, well, who told you? She said, A little bird. I thought, I'd like to kill that bird. <laughs> Dad wasn't quite as pick, quick to pick up on things as Mom was, but Dad figured it out after a while. See, do any of you have hogs at home, pigs? Okay, because otherwise I had a disclaimer, don't try this at home, but let, let me back up a little bit. Um, you know, eight or nine years old, I really wanted to be a cowboy. I mean, Roy Rogers, you know, the Lone Ranger. I mean, I was destined to be a cowboy. Um, The only thing I lacked was a horse. Well, we had an apple tree in our, we had about six apple trees, and there was one branch that came out like this, and it dipped like that, and then it continued. Perfect saddle. So I put a nail in there and a rope, and I had a horse, and if somebody would pull the branch, I was actually moving. All right. But let me move on. Suddenly, I realized one day, we have horses. Now, they were short, about this big. Eh, probably there. Had a big round snoot. You get where I'm going? Dad had pigs. And he's fattening up these hogs so he can sell them at the market. But a cowboy with no horse suddenly saw opportunity. And if you would get up beside those pigs and grab their ears and jump on, you had the ride of your life. They have such a short little gant, and you're like this. And, and, uh, you know, okay, so I fell in the mud and stuff once in a while, but I had a great time riding pigs, and Dad didn't know it until Dad one day said, you know, I keep pouring the grain to to these hogs, but they never get fatter. Oh, Mark, he's running the meat right off of those things. So I had a great time. Well, Dad finally figured it out. But you know what? People know um, about us. Nobody knows everything about me. I don't know what you're like. I'm a little bit slow to share about me. Now, okay, there's some things I'll share, like, how about this vote this morning? Seven new members. I'm really glad for the way we did the vote today. Thank you, Matt. Because one other time in our church, we had about seven new members or something like this, and 
we were doing the vote and we did one at a time. And it was all in favor, say aye. All opposed, aye. Then we went to the next one, all in favor, say aye. All opposed, aye. And we were getting down the line and I was getting distracted about something and he said, say aye, only it was the all opposed. I was the only guy that voted against these people. And I had to go to them later and say, I really want you to be part of our church. I have to confess I wasn't paying attention. Okay, I don't know if you, I don't mind if you know that about me, but I've got some deep secrets in my life. I won't tell everybody. Now Gwen knows them, and it's taken me a long time to even share with Gwen. Some people just open up and share everything about themselves. This morning I want to tell you, God cares about you, and God knows everything about you. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 139 this morning, and I'd like to read just the first six verses as we start out. Um, we're going to go through the whole chapter. Don't worry, you'll be out on time. We're going to go through the whole chapter, but I want to share this morning with you this part here about God knows everything about me. It says, O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me you know when I sit down or when I stand up you know my every thought went far away you chart my path ahead of me you tell me where to stop and rest every moment you know where I am and you know what I'm going to say before I say it Lord all right I have to confess I kept saying to the Lord if you know what I'm going to say before I say it would you just tell me so I'm good about what I'm going to say this morning um, all right, uh, just, just my thought there. Verse 5, you both precede and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to know. Oh, this verse starts out, Lord, you've examined my heart. Or another word would be searched my heart. And um, we're going to come back to that as we close out this chapter. But then the next part says, you know everything about me. I don't mind if you know about me, but the Bible says God knows everything about me. And we're going to see more of that as we come through here. That could be intimidating. I was thinking about that. that. That could be, I don't know if I want God to know everything about me. And I hate to stand here in front of church, but sometimes my thoughts aren't so good. And sometimes maybe my actions aren't so good. Like anger, a little road rage. I don't know if I want God to know everything about me. And I thought, you know what? God is not a judge who is sitting in heaven just waiting for Mark to make a mistake so he can con condemn me or punish me. In fact, the song that we sang this morning said, he's for me, not against me. And as a believer, Romans 8 says, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. God knows about me, but he's not sitting in heaven looking at me saying, oh, Mark, I saw that one. That was a pretty bad move. Think about it this way. Um, I, I read this illustration. In a store, they have security cameras. And that camera's kind of tucked away, so you don't know it's there. 
But what they're watching for is someone who's going to come into the store and slide something in their pocket. And that's kind of a camera of judgment, always looking for the worst. But cameras aren't always bad. What if you're a mom and you have a little child and you put a baby cam in that bedroom? Is that a camera of judgment? That's a camera of love and compassion where you're watching, saying, I want the best for my child all the time. And God watches us as a loving father, and he knows everything in our life. Listen, he says, you know when I stand up or when I sit down, I meant to have a chair here. You know what? I thought about this because if, man, I was hoping for a taller chair. You know what? If I just quick sit down, do you know God knew I was going to do that? Oh. Huh? And I don't mean to humor or poke fun at God's word, but do you know why God knows I was going to do that? Because God created me, and we're going to look at that later, and he knows my personality, and he knows how I act and how I respond and how I think. And God knows that when I read this passage, he said to himself, he's going to sit down. He's going to stand up. And God knows every moment of my life. A little more literally, when I stand up is activity, and when I sit down maybe inactivity. But God knows what's going on in my life every moment of every day. You know my thought, even when far away. How about this one? You chart my path ahead of me. You know, I think so often I just randomly do. Um, I, I live my life and I don't really focus on the fact that God actually charts a path ahead of me. You know, I can't see the path. I wish I knew, even as a young person, I wish I knew what God had for me. I wish I would have known God would have said, Mark, you're going to, in fact, I still haven't really decided what to be when I grow up is my problem. But God has a path charted for me, and I don't even understand or know it. I want to read a little bit from Psalm 77, but let me tell you the setting first. Israel has been in bondage in Egypt, okay? And God brought some plagues, and Pharaoh says, I'll let you go. No, not really. God brings another plague. Okay, I'll let you go. No, not really. Goes on, I think it was 10 times. Finally, Passover, and the firstborn was killed in Egypt, and uh, Pharaoh says, get out of here, just go. Just leave. In fact, they gave them gold and wealth, and they packed up and left. So they go, and they come up to the Red Sea. And... Uh, they made the journey that far, and Pharaoh's thinking to himself, I really made a mistake here because I lost all my good slaves. And actually, I gave them my good stuff, and I want that back too. So Pharaoh is going to go get the people back. Um, so you got the Red Sea here. You have Israel here and Egypt here, and there is no way out of this, they thought. But God had something in mind for them. And I want to say to you, I'm going to read this in Psalm 77. If you think that God just parted the water so they could go through, that's like eating a gourmet meal and saying, boy, those were good mints. Because so much happened that night. I read this several times this week just because I had to go back and say, what did you do, God? So Exodus doesn't tell us the whole story, but Psalm 
fills us in. Psalm 77, it says, When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked in its very depths. The clouds poured down their rain. I thought that was supposed to be dry, but it didn't matter. God still sent rain. The thunder rolled and crackled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind, and the lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Do you realize what was going on that night? I remember one night sitting out on our deck watching, watching the um, lightning, and it was just like, it was just almost nonstop. And we just sat out there for the longest time and watching it. That was nothing compared to this. The earth was filled with lightning. The earth, it, it, the earth shook, it quaked. The water saw, the sea saw it and trembled. You get something big was really, really happening here. Oh, and by the way, the water did part and it went through on dry ground. But get this. Psalm says, he knows my path. This verse says, your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. And God knows Mark. And God knows you. And God knew all the people of Israel. And he looked at them and they said, I got a path all planned out for you. They couldn't see it. They didn't know and have a clue what God was going to do. In fact, they were sure, I, I expect they were sure, they're either going to be dead or they're going to go back and be slaves. And God said, I got a road right here, but it's a path you didn't even know was there. And Psalm tells us that God has charted a path before us. You know what? God doesn't always make the water shake and tremble, and he doesn't always send lightning. God sometimes says, just look at me. Watch me. Um, Psalm 32.8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. You know what that is? That's you having a relationship with the Heavenly Father and watching Him. And I have a hard time not turning my head, but just running my eyes over this way, or my eyes over this way. God says, you be looking, and I'll give you directions. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, if we trust in the Lord with all our heart, and don't lean on our own understanding, but if in all our ways we acknowledge him or trust him, he says, I'll direct your path. So God says here, I will direct your path. He is ready and wanting to do that for us all the time. He says, you tell me where to stop and to rest. And every moment, you know where I am. Man. How can that be, God? He knows where you are, and he knows where you are, and you. Because God has all wisdom. God is with us always. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You both precede and follow me. You know where God is in my life right now? You know where God is? He is with me all the time. And actually, if you go back, your King James Version will say, he puts a hedge 
around me? Do you know what they did in Bible times for protection of their vineyard or their orchard? They would take a thorn, rows of thorns and put it around their vineyard so people, thieves, or animals couldn't come in and get their crops. That was their hedge. And the Bible says, God, you put a hedge around me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. God says, I know where you're at. I know your path. I know where you're going. I've got you surrounded. And now you place your hand of blessing on me. And what this verse is saying is, God, you're going to provide all of my need. And I read that and I thought to myself, why don't I live more bold for Jesus? Why do I live so careful? Why, do I, why, do I, why am I afraid to step out when God says, Mark, I got my hand of blessing on you. I'll provide everything you need. And I was trying to think of an example of this. And I don't want to embarrass anybody here, so I didn't want to use anybody here. You know who exemplifies God placing his hand of blessing on him and says, I'll provide all your need? Dale Stewart. I love it when that guy comes here. You know why? Because he tells story after story after story of how God put his hand of blessing on him. Dale's the kind of guy that says, Lord, Lord, we sure could use a water slide. God says, well, I've got a water slide for you. Lord, we sure need a truck to get that water slide out to Montana. God says, I've got a truck for you. Dale says, Lord, we sure need a roof on that place. Well, somebody provides the material. Somebody comes and installs it. Last time he was here, he's, Lord, we sure need a bigger dining hall. I expect he's probably got one on the way. You know what? Dale lives his life, and I'm not pointing. This is not about Dale. This is about God, okay? Get this. Dale lives his life knowing that God's hand of blessing is on him. And Dale says, God, here's what we need for our ministry. This will bring people to Jesus Christ. This will glorify you. This will honor you. In fact, that's why we pray. Psalm 40 says, let me do that a minute. Psalm 40 verse 3 says, many will see what he has done and be astounded and they'll put their trust in the Lord. It's not about, I'm not bringing glory to Dale Stewart. I'm bringing glory to the Lord, our God, the living God, who says, my hand of blessing is on you. And when it happens, Dale says, that's what God did. And the people in his community can't figure him out. They can't even figure out why people would support him or pay him to do what he does. And God just pours his hand of blessing out on there. I can give you one more example, a little more local, Upward Bound Ministries. I used to go for coffee once in a while. You can't go there for coffee anymore because the place is gutted. They're remodeling. God has put his hand of blessing on that ministry and on those people that lead it. And God is providing day after day after day. And when you go over there and just have coffee and talk to them, it's like, well, yeah, we had this and this and God provided here and God provided here. Or let me tell you what God did here. It is amazing. And I just read this, like I said, I should live bold for God. Because when God 
God knows me. God charts my path. He says, Mark, I've got my hand of blessing on you. And when you honor and serve me, I will meet your need. Uh, Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That is a promise from the word of God. Verse 6 says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too great for me to know. How do I... How do I expound on that? I think it's... Have you ever had that moment when it's just so much you couldn't get it all? And David's kind of going... And then I had another example. Pastor Mike. Wow! That's a God response. Or that's that's a response to God. And David when he realizes that God is always with him, he says, wow, I can hardly comprehend it. Look at verse 7. Let me read a few verses here. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go to the place of the dead, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I can't hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and day are both alike to you. Not only does God know everything about us, God is always with us. Listen, he said, and actually in verse 7, can I ask, um, my Bible reads it as a statement. Here it is. It's honestly a question. Can I ever escape from your spirit? Or can I ever get away from your presence? I have the uh, theology book for the simple, and it says on these verses, duh, All right, I really don't have that book. I can never escape from God's presence. And then he gives an illustration of how I can never get away from God. He says, God, if I go up into heaven, you're there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you're there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, which is east because that's sunrise, or if I go to the depths of the sea, which is west because it was the Mediterranean, He says, where could I go to escape from you? Could I go north? Could I go to heaven? Could I go south to the grave? Which I thought about that. (laughs) Um, I go south for vacation. I thought, man, when I die, I'm going south. (laughs) Um, Can I go north? Can I go south? Can I go east to the sunrise? Can I go west to the Mediterranean? He says, God, where can I escape I can't go in any direction to get away from you because you are always there with me. And then he says, um, he talks about darkness and light. Have any of you been in a cave before? Like a real cave? You know, I can try to find a dark spot at home. So I can go into our uh, uh, mechanical room, shut the door, but light comes under the door. Or in the the, uh, storage room, light comes under the door. Um, at night, sometimes it doesn't even get dark here. It doesn't seem like, um, 
Seems like it's light all night. Um, but we were in Kentucky, and we went into a cave one time. And to be honest with you, I really didn't enjoy it because I felt like it was a Disney attraction or something or a theme park. It's like, is this really a cave? I couldn't get it in my head. But then the tour guide at one point in time turned the lights out. And literally, you can't see. Like, nothing. And then I can't remember what somebody had. Somebody had like one small light. And it was amazing how much light one small light gave to the place. But here David said, it doesn't matter which direction I go, and it doesn't matter if it's light or dark, because light and dark are all the same to you. And I tried to think, how is light and dark the same to God? I remember the story of the Egyptians chasing the nation of Israel, and they got them trapped at the Red Sea. Do you know what God did? God had this cloud that was going to go with, with the nation of Israel to show them when to move and which direction to go. God took that cloud and he set it right between Egypt and Israel. And the Bible says it was darkness to those of Egypt and it was light to Israel. God doesn't care if it's light or dark. He knows where we are. Um, Let's continue here. Let's go to verse 13. I want to read this. You made all the You made all the delicate interparts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. And how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life is recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I want to make just a couple of notes here. In verse 14, it says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And we were supposed to have had a video this morning concerning the life walk, which really would have been a good introduction but life is precious to God. He doesn't just throw something together. He says, this is fearfully and wonderfully made. This is marvelously made, incredibly made. Look at what I've done. Look at verse 15 and 16 again. You watched me as, as being formed in utter seclusion. I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Actually, I, I want to back up because I want to put some emphasis here. It says, this is David writing. He said, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. And every day of my life 
is recorded in your book. I want to say to you this morning that God sees another person in the womb distinct from the mother. I would tell you this morning from Genesis 1.27 that we are made in the image of God. And that same passage, God gave responsibility to man to care for the things of the earth, to steward and to protect it. I think I'll just say we need to value the life of an unborn child. That's all I want to say. I don't want to give you my opinion. I want you to know what the Word says. And that's what we can stand on. So God made me God knows me. God is always with me. But you know what God is doing also? He's always thinking about me. Verses 17 and 18. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, and when I wake up in the morning, you are still with me. All right, well, I'm Mark, and I have an illustration. So when I first read this verse, I was in Gulf Shores, Alabama on my vacation. Although I'm retired, so is it a vacation, or I... That's just where I was. Um... It's, it's hard to tell when you're retired when you're on vacation. <laughs> and I read this passage, and it said, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They are more than the grains of sand. So I want to do something here this morning. <clears throat> So, kids, I know there are kid notes. I would like to ask you, try to get this level. I have a tablespoon here. How many grains of sand do you think are in here? Think about it. All right, let me do this. You see what I have there? How many grains of sand are in there? All right, well, I'm going to suggest to you that there are close to 15,625. And I'll tell you what I base that on. You know, you can find anything in Google. How many of these are in a quart? How many tablespoons? I had to look it up too, 64. You know how many grains of sand are in this quart? One million. And God says, I think about you more than the grains of sand. Oh, but that's nothing. Because if I had a billion grains of sand, I'd have 200 one-gallon one milk jugs up here. 
or 45-gallon buckets is how much sand. All right, now figure this out. I don't know. First of all, I don't know who has time to think of this, and then I think who has time to read it, but I did, so. Um, Do you know mathematicians actually tried to figure out how many grains of sand there are in the world? They suggest, and then I like, as I read the article, it says they debate this number. Like, duh, yeah. who, who could know this number anyhow? They suggest that there are seven quintillion, 500 quadrillion grains of sand in the world. And then I, because I mark, I go, I go seven quintillion, 500 quadrillion, and three. Just, there's got to be a few they missed. But they debate that. But here they are. God thinks of me more than the grains of sand. I want to suggest to you this morning, based on the Word of God, God is always thinking about you. Do you know how long it would take you? If you were to count, I had fun with this, If you were to count every second, if you were to do one number every second, counting to a million, now you can't say every number in a second because when you get up to 999,998, that takes more than a second to do it. If you were to count every second a number, it would take you 11 days, 13 hours, 46 minutes, and 40 seconds to count to a million. Oh, but that's not the end. Somebody else said, well, how much in real time does it take to count to a million? So a guy made a video of himself counting to a million. And he did it basically 16-hour days, time for breaks, whatever, rest. It took him 89 days to count to a million. God says, I love you more than the grain of the sand. And I think, well, what does he think about? Well, what do I think about when I think of my family? Man, what do you think about when you think about your kids? You want them to graduate? You want them to get a good job? Be responsible? Let's start with love the Lord. Um, You know, whatever things you think about as a dad... God is a heavenly father, and he's thinking of us. How about Jeremiah 29, 11? God's, God's in heaven, and one of these grains of sand, he's going, you know, Mark? Um, lost it for a second there. I know the plans I have for you. The plans for you to prosper. God thinks of me. And then God looks from heaven, and he thinks of me. And he says, Mark, from Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, everybody that's weary, Mark, when you're weary, I want you to come unto me and I'll give you rest. Or God is thinking to himself, Mark, if you would cast all your care upon me, I care for you. In Hebrews 4, 6, he says, you can come boldly. And God is thinking about me, these grains of sand, and he's thinking, Mark, I just wish you'd come to me. I did some reading in the recent weeks, um, the story of the crucifixion 
And when Jesus died and said it's finished and the veil was torn open, and then we keep reading, when that veil was torn open, we should have gone, it should have been another one of those moments. We should stand still and realize what happened. No longer did I need a sacrifice. No longer did I have to go through all that ritual. I didn't have to go through the high priest. There was a place, the Holy of Holies, I could never get into. And when Jesus died and took care of all of my sin issue, God ripped the curtain open. He says, Mark, come on in. That's how much it meant. And we ought to go, wow, because of that change. And God says, I just wish you'd come to me and seek me boldly. He says, I've got peace that I give to you, not like the world, Jesus said. And if you want to know what God is thinking about you even more, read this book. Because this is what God is thinking about you. How he loves for you, how he cares for you, how he desires you. All right, let's move along quickly here. So this is a song, okay? Um, It was to the chief musician, and it's a song. And I can explain to you now again why I'm not on the praise team, because to me, the whole song so far has been kind of, oh, the violins over here. This is all pretty nice. But now there's a change in the music, and now it's this side of the room with the jump drums beating with the bass going at it, with Roland going at it, and it totally changes because we go from, um, oh, oh, and by the way, at, at the end of this passage, when he says, he thinks of me all the time, it says, and when I wake up in the morning, you're still with me. You know what I think he's saying? That wasn't a dream. It's true. Sometimes you have a dream and it's so real, and you wake up, it's like, wow, what was that? He wakes up and he goes, oh, God. It wasn't a dream. You're still with me. All right, the music changes. All right? Oh, God, if you would only destroy the wicked, get out of my life, you murderers. You blaspheme, who they blaspheme you. Your enemies take your name in vain. Oh, Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who resist you? Yes, I hate them with complete hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. And really, let me just say very quickly about this. Um, David is really looking at unholiness or unrighteousness through God's eyes. And he says, God, I want my enemies to be your enemies. And you know what? I think sometimes we kind of enjoy the things that God hates. You think, no, I don't. And I want to say, what do we watch on TV? It's full of the very things that Jesus died for. And we call it entertainment. So David just says, oh God, I want to hate the things that you hate. But then these last two verses, everything changes now. Now it's time for you to respond to what you heard this morning. This is where, this is where um, we start to agree with God or connect with God. So God created me. He's always with me. He knows everything about me. David says, I want to hate sin like you hate sin. And then he says... Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. In verse 1, the Bible already said, you have searched me. In verse 23, David invites God, you search me. 
And I think what David had done was search his own life for things that God would not be pleased with, for sin in his own life. And then after he had done that, he says, God, now you search me. See if there's anything in me that's not pleasing to you. And his heart response here would be, and I will take care of it. Listen, God knows all about you. He's not your judge to condemn you. He lovingly thinks of you. Would you respond to God and say, God, I want my life to be clean and pure. I want to live in a way that's honoring and glorifying to you. God, I laid in bed last night thinking about this. And I thought, God, would you search my heart? What do I have? This is our response to God. Search me. Know me. Try me. Oh, God, I can't hide from you anyhow. I can't go to darkness. It doesn't matter which direction I go. I want you, God, to search my life. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Can't even comprehend how you're always with me, but you're always with all these other people too. And that's because you're all present. And I can't even comprehend how you can know about me, and I can't comprehend how you can think of me that many times and you think about others that way. But you are God, and I believe your word. Father, and now I pray. I want a heart that responds. And I pray for a congregation, for a heart that responds, that we would just say, God, I know you've searched my life already. Oh, God, I give you myself. I make myself available. I invite you. I want to walk holy before you. Would you search me? Know me? And really the last part of the verse, Father, says, would you take me by the hand and lead me to glory? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.